Hi everybody, Rob from the Hooked On podcast, How To Be Great here. Look, we enjoy doing what we do, for the love of it, it's wrestling, enjoy it, remember? But if you do feel like dropping us a few quid to help us out, be our guest. We don't expect it, but we will appreciate it. Thanks ever so much for your support. Don't forget, it's wrestling, enjoy it. gentlemen i love wrestling i love doing this podcast i love sharing views with you i love to discuss the wacky world of sports entertainment with each and every one of you and especially in fact although i may not say it very often with my good friend showbiz paul benson who happens to be on the other line at the moment who i'm not going to introduce as yet because he has forced me into this podcast you may be reeling by the fact that you've just refreshed your podcast app and just seen that we're doing an extra podcast and you may be very excited about that fact. Well, I am not. Paul was on holiday last week and was unable to join me and I had a whale of a time with four guests talking about various WrestleMania aspects, but no sooner had his foot set foot on Blighty, he said to me, we have to record a podcast. I said, yes, which of the many multifarious aspects of WrestleMania should we talk about? Should we talk about the loaded card this year? Should we talk about the 33-year history of this great event? No, he said. I want to talk about the ultimate deletion. Welcome back, Paul. Explain yourself. Hello, Rob, and good evening, listeners. I knew you'd come. Had to do that, didn't I? That was the obvious one. Well, look, you know, this is something that I was itching to talk about last week, and I was absolutely gutted that I wasn't available and around to do it, and I thought we cannot let this opportunity uh, pass us by. So... I was desperate and the reason I wanted to touch about it so much is because it's a real good chance for me and you to in the nicest possible way get stuck into each other I do you know we do have our differences in opinion but they're very sort of usually we're both looking at the same goal but maybe from a slightly different angle or we both have just very slightly different opinions on how something should be done it's very very rare that you and I have absolutely diametrically opposed viewpoints on something and this is one of those rare times so I thought we've got to get we've got to chew the fat on this one don't you think? Yes, I, well, I understand what you mean. Um, I will start by saying this as, as regards to I'm going to I'm going to rather grandiosely call this radio um, but there is a real thing in radio, isn't there? Especially, I would say, uh, um, a, a radio station which sounds a little bit like Stork Port, um, in which you kind of have two presenters and they always... Isn't it funny how they always have different opinions? One of them thinks Jack Wilshere should go to the, other world, to the World Cup. The other one doesn't think he should. He's too injury-prone. And one says that Gareth Southgate is the man to lead England. Another man says, no, he should be sacked immediately. And it's, isn't that funny how that often happens? Um, I, what I also don't like are love-ins when you get phone, you get people on the phone and just you just agree with everything they say just to be nice and to be happy-spirited. Um, I like the fact that we're sometimes we're a bit more down the middle, is that we agree with each other when we have to, and we call each other out when we have to. Unfortunately, this is one of those latter circumstances. But I, I don't want anyone to think that we've decided to do this just to be wacky and just to try and um, divide the audience and, and get people. You know, writing in and phoning in and texting in and all that kind of thing, because that's not really our our raison d'être. So, this is a very genuine situation. Paul has kind of seen a chance to um, 
not to divide us, but to have a, a, an issue where we're on different sides of the fence. Most of you, I think, will have heard this before. Um, we have here and there touched upon uh, what we call... We, it's officially the ultimate deletion, isn't it? People are calling it the final deletion, but that's what it was called in TNA. So um, yeah. this, this is the ultimate deletion. This is very much a... Uh, um, <laughs> a final solution, ultimate solution uh, problem, I'm sure you discussed when you were on Because WCW, but um, the uh, the thing itself has been around for a little while, I think it was a couple of years ago they first did this in TNA and built the broken character uh, and then did the skits on TV and then it's gone from there and, and even back then we've spoken about it um, you know, privately and then I suppose we've mentioned it before on the podcast when briefly discussing TNA and then the Woken Matt Hardy character. So this is not brand new. I think people will know where our positions are, but we probably just ought to do a bit of an opening statement um, calmly before we go into any more discussion about this and probably just set the scene just in case anyone hasn't seen it. I mean, I very much doubt there's anyone listening to a one-off special of this podcast that hasn't seen the very thing we're talking about. But if you haven't, you can go onto our Facebook page right now on uh, facebook.com slash wrestling. Uh, is that right? Yep, that's Actually, absolutely right, you mate. Well done. Last, you had to, I had to do it without you last week, and I, I still think I, I know. It. I still think I got it you... right. Um, no, 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 you did right. You did. You got it right. Okay, well, it's uh, facebook.com/slash/howrestling, and then you can see uh, WWE have basically put the ultimate deletion on YouTube, and we've uh, we've shared it on our page, so you can view it. For you th- view, oh, I can't speak. View it through our Facebook. Put my teeth back in. Um, and so we'll pause, and we'll wait for you to uh, to come back. Thank you very much. Um, so now you've seen it, and so everyone can uh, can see the uh, the madness in its full form. Uh, and Paul will start with his opening statement, explaining why he loves it so. I that's plenty, right? It was. <laughs> <laughs> I I feel I should um, elaborate a little bit on where I where I started from with this. When when Matt Hardy first started playing this broken character, um, I'm not Matt's biggest fan. And it's personal. Um, and I'll tell you for why. And this is one of those ridiculous stories that used to happen to me. I was in a bar in Paris after a TNA show, um, buying drinks for certain wrestlers who shall remain nameless at this point, who are quite well known. Matt Hardy, while I was talking to said wrestler... Can I, sorry, can I just stop you? Because just in case anyone doesn't know... That's in you're not being a mark at the bar. This is in Paul's. Work. Oh no, sorry. Yes. Capacity. Paul used to work for a company affiliated to TNA. He was on the tour working. He would have had an expense account. Um, he was doing uh, he was doing business schmoozing. I think it's fair to say. I was. I was doing business schmoozing while slightly marking out at the same time. Oh, that's okay. That's that's a second. That's a secondary issue. But I yeah. want to say first and first and foremost, you weren't a mark that travelled to Paris and started throwing no. drinks around the place to try and be popular. No, I was there on a work bus. I'd actually travelled back from um, the Paris show on the bus. In fact, that reminds me. I will um, just to, just to show where we were at this point. Matt had just joined TNA, um, and when we got on the bus from for the show, I, I hope I'm not giving too much away here. You know what it's like. But Matt was very much the gregarious one, telling stories about his time in WWE to all the guys on the bus, where Jeff kept himself quite quiet. And that was a story for most of the day that we saw them. And then on the bus on the way home, I was sat, you know, on a coach on those on those sort of um, school bus or whatever. Halfway down, you get the you get the exit on the side, don't you? Mm-hmm. Um, with steps down to it. 
I was sat bang opposite those steps on the left hand side of the coach with the steps on the right going down to the exit sat on the seat behind that exit by himself was Jeff Hardy now we're bombing down the motorway over 70 miles an hour 70 miles an hour tops um, and the, <laughs> and, the um, and suddenly the door on the side of the coach just swung open halfway down the coach so everyone's like losing their mind trying to tell the driver to slow down stop so he can close it and either he's not hearing us or he's choosing not to hear us or whatever Jeff Hardy as cool as you like as if he was getting up to go to the loo got up out of his seat walked down those steps grabbed hold of the bar that is like you know the big pivot of the door leant right out of the door as we were bombing down the motorway and pulled it shut it was ridiculous it was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever seen in my life and you couldn't imagine anyone doing it on that bus more than Jeff Hardy then he sat back down put his headphones in that was it Matt was seething a little bit at this point um because I think he took the spotlight away from him slightly anyway at the, at the bar I'm buying these drinks and um suddenly my bar bill comes uh, my, my my receipt for this round of drinks comes and it's about double what I expected it to be and it's because Matt's um accidentally um added some drinks to my uh to my order for him and his his buddies um which is a little bit annoying because um, I didn't have an expense account actually Rob unfortunately for that sort of thing so long story short and without seeing sound too bitter I kind of held it against him ever since a little, little bit of a childish grudge I'm not not too proud to admit um, so when the uh, broken stuff started coming I was not impressed I thought what the chuff is this guy doing he's lost the plot it's just another chance to reinvent, try and reinvent himself nonsense what's the accent just ridiculous but then it kind of grabbed me you know when they were just they you, you could see there was a point in tna where they really it was the skit that the first skit they did at the hardy compound in the garage or the dome of deletion as it should be now be called um and it was clearly meant to be quite serious but it came across as hokey camp crap now all credit to the guys involved to the producers to the company they realized it was hokey camp crap and they went with it and I'm um, do another interruption i'm sorry to do this but um, this is because it's a you have worked, lived and worked in an environment which has been quite um, uh, sort of transatlantic let's say when you say camp you basically mean a bit silly don't you because uh, the, yes, Amer- the American reference to camp or campy sort of means a little bit um, cliche trite silly kiddish as opposed to camp as in a little bit effeminate carry on oh no no yeah 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 silly daft mm-hmm. um and they went with it and it should not have worked it was it was badly produced b-movie crap but everyone involved in my opinion threw themselves into that and, and got into it with gusto but we got it they really embraced the hokiness of it and for that reason just like all these b-movies and c-movies that work because they play on just how poor they are sharknado is the biggest example recently because people like to get behind something that's a bit shit now and again and well you're a grimson town fan so you would know that yeah. not that shit. um i'm only talking you know this stuff's not terminal um and it just it, it just evolved into a point where it just got so ridiculous that you were treating Reby's father and an old boat and a giraffe as fundamentally great characters as part of this whole thing. Uh, I, I just thought it I thought it was wonderful. 
Um, that said, it had a shelf life. It has a shelf life. Um, and I was concerned that the WWE would bring it back um, and overdo it, as they do often. You know, they'll take something that's popular and drive it into the ground because they don't understand the nuances. Um, but in my opinion, they just about got away with doing this before the Matt Hardy character went to pot. Um, I thought it was absolutely wonderful um, in execution. We'll talk about that a bit more later. Um, but I will also say that I want that to be it now. That has to be it. In my opinion. Okay. Everything you've said over the last five or six minutes or so during your opening monologue um, is entirely irrelevant. Um, completely so. Um, the reason I hate it, and I do hate it, um, has got absolutely nothing to do with the content, nothing to do with the acting quality, the lighting, how it was shot, uh, whether or not there's pollution in the um, lake of reincarnation or whatever it's called. Um, it's irrelevant to me. The point is, it is in the wrong show. It is in the wrong genre. You just mentioned Sharknado there, which is not a, not anything I'm familiar with. Um, I, I'm aware that it's a film. I'm just saying I've not seen it. Um, but yeah, there is this um, sort of sort of more modern sort of disaster. Almost like a disaster movie, isn't it? Kind of. Uh, yeah, yeah. What's the there's like Piranha 3D and that kind of thing. They're all the same sort That's of thing, it. aren't they? Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. here's the thing. Jaws is a very good film. If you've not seen. Um, uh, Steven Spielberg's Jaws uh, it's a very good film there are some mad bits in Jaws as in, well I think it's in Jaws I mean it's Jaws 2 actually where there's a moment where one of the characters says something along the lines of could a shark have revenge in its mind and the answer is no, it's a shark of course it doesn't have bloody revenge in its mind it's a shark um, it just happens to be another one uh, in a place where you're going to need to um, try and stop it from eating all the swimmers on your on your beach um, so that's essentially all it is. Um, but Jaws is a good film because they have to plot of how to stop this killer shark, and uh, there's a bit of tension, and there's a few people that go missing, and they have to build a bigger boat, and it's not dilapidated, uh, and it's a jolly good film. The thing is, if about an hour into Jaws, just as they were getting to the point, and just as you know Richard Dreyfuss's you know acting ability was at its very best, and the tension was all heightened, um, if at that point they then cut to a 20-minute section of Sharknado which was weird and bonkers and 3D and titillating and whatever and then they stopped that and then they went back to Jaws and finished the film off all you would do when you came out of the film is go what the hell was that because it wouldn't make any sense it's completely and utterly incongruous and this is what is happening with the Hardy stuff. And it happened in TNA and it's happening now. Okay, you can, if you want to be a pedant, you can tell me that it finished the show off and it didn't come back into something else. That's largely irrelevant. The point is, the very next day in SmackDown, you were back to the normal WWE stuff. And next week, we will have the normal WWE stuff. And if they do any sort of Hardy stuff in between, um, it will be, again, incongruous and out of touch and out of position. It's, it's, it can't... It's, it's, it changes the dynamics of the universe in which you live. Now, if you watch Harry Potter from the start, then you can get away with wizards and spells and goblins and whatever, the same way as you can if you watch 
um, you know, The Hobbit or any of the Middle Earth stuff, or if you watch Star Wars, or if you watch whatever it may be, you can live even, you know, sitcoms where there's massive silliness, like, you know, Father Ted or something, where people can suddenly move and be somewhere else and there can be a perfectly square bit of black dirt on the window. You know, all of mm. which are just farcical elements. But that that is the in that is the universe in which they inhabit. We are supposed to be watching a simulated sport in which one or more, you know, pairs of combatants come to the ring and fight out their issues um, to decide who is the best at what they do and that, that person wins a belt. Along the way there are people that have arguments and so you have grudge, grudge matches and there are rules within the universe and that is to say that there are things such as if you had a real fight you would not throw someone against some ropes, drop down, jump over, spin around and then poke them in the eye. That's not how you'd fight someone. But in, And it's also, if you go to MMA fights or if you go to um, amateur wrestling fights or you go to kickboxing or you go to boxing, you will notice that none of them even closely resemble what professional wrestling has become. That's okay because we're living within the, world, the, the means of our universe and we all know those rules from when we first start watching. Those rules do not include going to some compound in the middle of North Carolina, having a lake that reincarnates people, having a bloody giraffe that's called Mr. Washington or whatever he's called. It's, it's, it's insane. Right? It's just totally insane. And it doesn't fit the laws. If you'd made your own show, I would actually forgive this if it, if it, was, his own, if it was its own show on the network. I would forgive it if the new MLW startup was going to be completely within the Hardy world and all sorts of wrestling could happen and there could be jump cuts where there were suddenly two people and all these kind of things could happen. I could, I actually could live with that. I actually don't think it was a bad ten minutes or so in terms of if you were to just purely look at it on its own merits and say, this is a bit of fun, just watch a ten minute short that's a bit of fun, that's fine. But it is presented within a real show. And I am aware that sports entertainment, professional wrestling, differs a lot from real sports in terms of the reality of it, but it is presenting itself in a different way. So, um, what is the name of the UFC? There must be a UFC regular TV show. I don't know what it's called. Is it um, called Fight Pass or something like that, is it? Yeah, that's the equivalent of the WWE Network, yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a network. Okay, but is there a show like Raw? Is there a show that you could watch? Like an... No. Okay, there is. But there must have been something before that's been on... TV, like an hour program on TV or something, because otherwise you wouldn't know about any of these fights. So there must be some sort of hype thing, is there? Uh, yeah, they have. Uh, what is it called now? Unleashed. Yeah. Um, I, oh, I do you know what? what? I'm a li- I'm a long way removed from it, but okay, it's, they do they... have a hype show. Okay. Well, I tell you what, they did the Ultimate Fighter, didn't they? I'm aware of the Ultimate Fighter. That was like a reality show, yeah, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. So if you were watching that, which is bear bear in mind. I'm not doing... This is no snidey little references to MMA being fixed or showbiz or work or anything like that. I'm not getting into that. It's a discussion for another day. Assuming it's absolutely straight down the line, 100% proper competition. If you were watching all that and then suddenly they did a a five-minute skit with... I I can't think of anyone now off the top of my head. With with Cain Velasquez and Daniel Cormier where they did a yep. five-minute skit where they were flying through the air and they were speaking in different languages to each other and then they landed <laughs> in, a, in a gingerbread world in which they ate the lampposts and then suddenly you went back to the reality and then you had an interview with Nate Diaz, right? It wouldn't make any sense. You'd go, what the bloody hell was that last five minutes of nonsense? And everyone would go, well, that was clearly complete drivel. And to me, that's what that was on Raw. I know Raw is scripted. I know Raw is a 
It's a make-believe reality, but it is still a reality that you want to believe in. And since it is simulated reality, you have to try and act as if it's real. Not go into flights of fancy, shooting these movies and doing all this kind of stuff. And before anyone wants to pipe up about it, because I know they would do, well, they'll go, well, what about The Undertaker then? What about when The Undertaker supposedly died and floated off and whatever, and when he's had all these moments where he's been in coffins and then he's gone and then he's not gone and then Kane shoots a fireball at someone and... Uh, agreed! Absolute drivel! I hated all that. All my life I've hated all that. And it's one of the reasons why I've never been quite able to take to Undertaker the way that 98% of the wrestling world does. I respect Mark Calloway as an unbelievable you know, example of how you can stay relevant for 30 years and do a brilliant job and have great matches. But the, most of the Undertaker stuff through his first 10 years, to me, was drivel. I didn't like it, and I still don't like it, and I won't be convinced that otherwise. To me, this um, Mount Hardy stuff is in the same bracket as all of that Taker stuff, but even worse. It's 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 Papa Shango setting Jobber's feet feet on fire. Uh, it's all that kind of stuff. It's complete nonsense that doesn't make any sense, and it has no place within the wrestling world because you then have to try and treat it as when you then go to the next thing it doesn't work because then the next thing so does that mean when we're watching AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura, at more, Shinsuke Nakamura at Wrestlemania might one of them pick up a bucket which has happened to have had some of the water from the lake of reincarnation and throw it over the other and then they turn into a butterfly and they fly out of the arena and it's a count out like, just honest I mean, I'm, 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 that, sounds, that sounds amazing but it does sound amazing but it sounds amazing if that's the kind of thing you want to watch it's not what I want to watch and the more that you have that kind of thing it is going to erode at what you believe in you're going to sit there going well I don't really know what's coming next now because they've changed the laws of the universe they've changed the laws of how these things work and it's one of the reasons I have never this is probably betraying some of my likes and dislikes but I've never been able to watch things like I've never been able to watch sci-fi movies and and things like that because I've always gone well why don't they just magic it so that's not like that or like, or like well, Lord, Lord of the Rings why doesn't Gandalf just magic it and they're all somewhere different because I, to me it's a deus ex machina that you can just change the laws at a, a drop of a hat and I, and, and I don't like it it's, it's, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever I'm going to stop you for just a second and say on on ge in general terms I agree you know there's nothing that annoys me more in a film and I think again this is this is the same point as you were making you can set out in a film or TV series anything else whatever rules you want in your in your universe see anything you want as long as you're consistent within Correct. those rules Correct. Um, I have and, I, and I'm a big believer in that across, across and it really annoys me when films don't do that or TV shows don't do that that said this is very different to me um, it's a bit it's a bit meta for one thing um, I What's think that, it's well, I think it's um, like you know De you've heard of Deadpool. I know you're, big, you're not a big superhero fan, but you've heard of Deadpool, haven't you? Deadpool, his gimmick, if you will, is that he knows he's in a film. He understands that there's a wider world out there. He's a character in a movie. That he's Ryan Reynolds. He's he's self-aware. Essentially, the definition of meta is self-awareness in pop culture, and I think that is what these guys have got you know it's not part of the story it's not the undertaker sh suddenly shooting fire out of his hands it's not um suddenly ascending to the heavens or bray wyatt being able to teleport or produce a hologram they are winking at the audience 
and they're telling you this is a bit of fun not to be taken as part of the main storyline and I remember you and I having a conversation some time ago where your biggest problem with the TNA stuff was when guys like Bobby Lashley got dragged into it and I fully agreed with that because this this was it they call it the broken universe and that was exactly what it should have been it should have been self-contained with these few characters that fit into that similar to how WCW did the whole sort of um, what was it called blood runs cold Mortal Kombat ripoff all those years ago and those characters kept themselves themselves as well this is that but on steroids really and as long as you're keeping Bray Wyatt Matt Hardy Brother Nero or in TNA Abyss and uh, Crazy Steve as those characters in it fantastic if John Cena turned up at the Hardy compound tomorrow then I'd have a lot more to complain about but as it is this is not um, Sharknado footage suddenly turning up in Jaws this is a different odd part of a, of an overall variety show so what about when the Hardys wrestled the bar on that greatest um, greatest rumble show it's going to be the Hardys versus the bar what happens then well it depends how they, I, I, it depends how they do it and again you don't have to have it completely in um you know, not everything has to be in the broken universe I, I completely admit to the inconsistencies I'm presenting here and I fully fully understand that I'm going against my own rule that I've just set out but I think because of the way they present it they get away with it if the bar turn up if they if they have a feud where again the serious characters like the bar are turning up on the hardy compound then again I'll have more of a problem with it but if hardy comes out of this feud acts the way he does but still mate you know still does that in a wwe ring no problem i don't i just don't buy this it's not about the characters it's not about i mean yes you're right i did say that about bobby lashley and others getting dragged into it and i stand by that but it's not about what other characters do it's about the tone it's the overall tone of the whole show and you know what's allowed to take place in it it to me it is like I'm trying to think of a, I'm trying to, a better version, right? So it'd be films with ensemble casts or whatever. But like when you have a musical, again, that's part of the world. We we all know that in reality, you know, take a, a, something a more modern musical, take like like La La Land or something. Like part mm-hmm. of it is we have the story, and then every now and again there's a scene, and the and the characters sing. And in that universe, that's okay, that works. But you wouldn't suddenly do that in. Um, uh, the Shawshank Redemption and I don't care if it was two brand new characters so you've got all this going on and you know it's the Shawshank Redemption it's it's the war it's all you know the it's the, the starkness of it and it's a long time since I've seen it so I've forgotten all the names of the characters and stuff but it's we all know the film and we all know how bleak it is and that kind of thing but if suddenly basically Laurel and Hardy turn up and start doing a, a funny you know little um, slapstick sketch and then they go away again. You've just killed the you've killed the nature of the film. That's not what the film is about. It is a serious film. Now there are good serious films that have light-hearted bits in it, but they don't completely change the tone. There are lots of very very you know dark um, shows which have got a little bit of a twist of comedy to it, and lots of crime series, for example, which deal with grisly murders, but that will have a little one-liner. Like Luther, for example, is a very good example. For Luther's got some great one-liners and little, you know, asides. But it doesn't change the nature 
um, of the show, when he's looking for someone that's not that's been decapitated, he doesn't quickly do the the Lambeth walk before coming back to find the perpetrator. You've got to stay within your boundaries, and this is this is a problem. It doesn't matter that it's those characters, and the, the other now people will now say, oh well, what about when they do you know silly stuff with Hornswoggle and El Torito, and what about when they and but just because they've done it before doesn't mean it was right before. I would have probably slagged that off as well. Yes, you can absolutely have comic relief. You can absolutely change. Not everything has to be serious. You can have funny characters that you know are deliberately there for comic relief, such as your Santinos or your, um, uh, your, your, your Fandango and Tyler Breeze. But there's nothing that, that they do in the Fashion Files that isn't outside of... I mean, they are, they are two people very clearly putting on the little skit during the thing. And that that is acknowledged as what it is, and it's quite funny. But they don't say this is a real thing. They go, here's the latest little skit that they're doing, and then they come back into the world. I'm still not crazy about how that fits in, but they do it at least knowingly. I didn't. It, it was. What I want to come onto a question in a minute, rather than just because what we're going to end up doing here is just I say my piece, you say your piece, and then we just repeat each other. We don't want to do that. Yes. Yeah. Unless unless one of us is going to change our mind, and let's face it, if anyone's going to do that, it's going to be you. Because um, <laughs> it's not going to be me, but because no one wants to hear us just repeating the same arguments. But um, what I want to ask you then: How did you feel, both at the time and subsequently having seen it, about Michael Cole's introduction? Because for those that missed it, Michael Cole basically said, mm. "Here comes the ultimate deletion. I apologise for what you're about to see." I have no idea whether he was instructed to say that or whether he went into business for himself. I generally believe that anything that goes out goes out with Vince's approval um, it may have been that Vince roared at Michael after the show but I doubt it um, so in essence was Michael Cole how, A, the first question is how did you feel and the second question is was Michael Cole's apologising for what you saw effectively Vince's way of saying right I've let you and Matt and everyone have your stupid little side project that's it, I hope you enjoyed it we're not doing it again I think it may well have been. I think it may well have been the the voice of Vince McMahon talking um, through Michael Cole. Uh, I can imagine that that was Vince's opinion on it and the WWE hierarchy. Um, it was one of those ones where they've got to, they want the fans to get it out of their system, and it's smart because something like that. WWE do this quite a lot. They'll they'll if the fans are really clamouring for something they don't want, they'll give them it and they go right. You've had it now. Shut up. And that and that's it done, um, and I think this will be one of those. I think it will, and I think Michael Cole was that voice of WWE saying, "This is not this is not your regularly scheduled programming. This is not what we approve of, but you all want it, so bloody well have it, uh, and you better enjoy it." I think that was exactly what it was. I was quite surprised actually, but maybe we should maybe I shouldn't have been. In a, in a shock moment on this podcast, I agree with you. I think, <laughs> I think that is exactly what it was, and I, and, I, and by the way, I wouldn't have done that. I'm now going to sound like I'm turning myself on on my head, but I think if you're going to go for something, go for it, own it, you know, go. This is really exciting. This is totally different. This is groundbreaking, everyone. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna do it, sell it properly and go. What a fantastic main event or different kind of main event we've got for you. We go over to the Hardy compound. This was filmed earlier in the week. 
um, and some of our brilliant editors have been hard at work making it feel like it feels like a film but oh those two really went for each other and uh, we don't know about some of the uh, some of the strange things that's going on in their brain about whether or not what they think of this lake and and some of their characters and stuff but one has to admit it was a great fight here's uh, here's Matt Hardy and uh, Bray Wyatt and what Matt's calling the ultimate deletion see I think you could have done it that I think you could have presented it like that Michael Cole and the commentators basically going we know this is nonsense we know this is crazy it doesn't make any sense but Matt's sort of lost the plot a bit Bray's always been a bit wacky what they've done is they've worked with our editors or Matt's worked with our editors and they've made it into a little film and Matt presents this film he had, he had a hand in editing himself that's why it looks so kooky and with all the music over it um, do you know I, I think you could have done that and owned it and then gone but it's brilliant and they did the opposite. They treated it as if it was part of the normal show, and then went, oh, but it's crap. So I, I, I think they got their presentation asked about face for two reasons. Um, but I think it definitely does make me think that uh, this I'm, may have been a one-off. Um, I'm a bit surprised you said that, actually, because I would have thought the way they did it fits more into your way of thinking, because they almost disowned it. No, but don't disown they it. Are... You shouldn't disown anything, but you have to assume that every single thing from the ident at the top of the show and every single person that is on the ident at the top of the show to the all the people that are featured in the opening montage the band that play the opening theme song the amount of um, pyro that goes off the, 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 the signs that are shown in the crowd every single one of those things you have to assume has been selected to go on that screen by someone someone um, has to make a decision for all of those things and so therefore everything that's on your television program from the first second to the last you have made a decision to put out so you have to own it you can't say here's what we're presenting you it's crap it just it, it, you can't do that so you you have to say now I, I, I know you could say okay Michael Cole said it was crap not anyone else but we all know that Michael Cole is the voice of the company so therefore yes. the company have just produced something and gone it's rubbish it's like imagine running a bar and going we've got a special offer tonight on Foster's I mean it's garbage but it's two quid drink it you wouldn't do it you'd just go it's lovely stuff Amer uh, Australian Amber Nectar only two quid get it down you or whatever, however you produce you you know you wouldn't go oh, uh, the specials tonight are the uh, the scallops quite frankly they're a day out of date and we're trying to get rid of them so that's why they're a fiver like, you, you just wouldn't do it even if that's the, what you're thinking you sell the hell out of them you might the waiter might go they've been my kind of thing scallops but apparently they're really popular so if you want to try them they're really good stuff like just so, sell it you have to sell you're a salesman what am I saying you're a salesman you sell what you're trying to sell don't you so what what about the nine months that Michael Cole spent calling Daniel Bryan crap yeah it was terrible you can't do that you can't throw stuff at me that was, that no, was no, also no, crap no, but no it, it worked it worked basically no it the, didn't work it was the, horrendous the, television the gist of it is that WWE on occasions show a lot of self-awareness and they know to a large segment of their audience primarily our audience the guys that comes to our parties WWE themselves are heels for stuff like this which is the the broken universe is built from the ground up by the fans it's an organically grown part of the show organically grown gimmick for once WWE have shown real smarts in disowning that so the fans can still have the license to get behind it the minute WWE start taking ownership of that gimmick is the minute the fans go what no is thanks this, what is this, this this the fans though who are the fans the fans are I don't a think the, portion I don't think the fans like it I think some people like it and some people don't like it 
I would say Who the, are the fans? majority. Well, I tell you what, the fans are the people that come to our shows. The no, people they are, are some disaffected. Fans. They are some fans. But when we put, yes. when, when people turn up at our shows, some of them like John Cena and some of them don't. Correct. What, well, they're not. They're the fans don't have a feeling about John Cena, then, do they? And what about Roman Reigns? Most of the fans don't like Roman Reigns. That is a correct. That is a. But and why, not, but it's and why not do the most fans. of the fans not like Roman no, Reigns? No, it's not the. Uh, it's, most, it's most of the fans. It's not the fans. You just Tell said me that the if overriding reason. The same. Give what? me the overriding reason why most of the fans do not like Roman Reigns. Because they feel that the corporate engine has pushed him down their throats. Correct. And would you or not? Would you not agree that if that push by the corporate engine did not exist Roman Reigns would be at least moderately well liked if not very well liked I think it's impossible to tell I think it's I, I, I wouldn't have see a, a reason. guess no I wouldn't it would it would depend I think I think some of the problems with Roman Reigns are are homegrown as in he has been asked to portray a character that he's not very good at portraying I've always defended him in terms of a, re- a wrestling ability people say he can't wrestle and it's the same as Cena that's nonsense he's, he's a good wrestler but he's not a very good baby face. So as, as as well as people may, you know, do the um, you know, that he's pushed down our throat, which is in the wrong way of looking at things. They should be saying the reason I don't like him is I don't find him a very likable character, which I think is I think is his major problem. Um, and I think that is probably as much because don't forget when when you're talking your the fans comment and you're talking about the people that would say. Um, uh, you know, he's. We, I don't like it because he's pushed down my throat. Now, it's not the two percent, five percent, one percent that WWE would make you feel. It's obviously a much more significant percentage of fans than they than they want to believe. But I still don't think it's. If it's a majority, I still think it's a very slim one. I still think there's a huge amount of people that go live to live shows and watch Raw and watch pay per views that just quite like their wrestling. You know, and don't haven't got Twitter, and maybe they haven't even got the network, and you know, don't go onto um, websites and don't listen to podcasts such as this. They just quite like their wrestling, and I bet I bet a lot of them don't like Roman Reigns, but they won't say it's because he shoved down their our throats, because that's not how they think. Dirty Den was pushed down your throat on EastEnders, do you know what I mean? But no one's sitting there trying to think, oh, who's booking this? And who's trying to make me want to like Leslie Grantham in real life? No one's doing that. That's a good dated reference, wasn't it, for that from 1986? Because <laughs> um, I haven't watched EastEnders for 20 years. But, um, you know, no one no one watches... You know, Okay, I'll do it. I know, I know there's a villain at the moment in Coronation Street, isn't there, called Pat Phelan. No one's sitting there going, yeah. oh, Pat Phelan, he's pushed down our throats. They're just, they either like the storyline or they don't. They're either gripped by the character or they're not. That's how most people think. Wrestling fans are a bit strange. I love them for it, but they're a bit strange in how deep, I'll say they, we, some of us, go into um, the, the depth in a, in a larger percentage than most other interests do I think but I think that can create a problem and I think that's where the shove down our throat thing comes from I honestly think Roman Reigns would be over as a babyface a lot more had CM Punk not done that podcast with Colt Cabana I think that was yep. one of the major reasons and he told the world about Vince and his um, you know, push Roman Reigns push Roman Reigns and it only takes a small percentage of people to listen to that for that to, you know, to bubble out I'm forever reading people's opinions and seeing what people think and realising that they're actually just they're just sheep that don't have thoughts for themselves. A best example of that was about four years ago where suddenly there was this huge groundswell that we wanted to see Cody Rhodes versus Goldust. And it was like, who the hell came up with that? It's like, 
just because some people started saying it, others were like, oh, that's what we want. That's what we... No, no it isn't. It's what some people wanted. And it was what some people wanted who couldn't have the thought to think for themselves that actually just doing the same old shit of having two brothers wrestle each other actually almost never works. Do you know what I mean? So it's like... People don't have the power to think for themselves, and a lot of people will be booing Roman Reigns because everyone else boos Roman Reigns. That's part of it. And so anyway, we've, we're off the to- we're off the topic here. We've gone I, well off. I, I my, my, exactly original... my issue is your the fans comment because I believe that I follow a good cross section of people on Twitter, fans, former wrestlers, pundits, whatever. I read the comments on our social media that comes through on Hooked on Wrestling. I have mates who are wrestling fans who I text and speak to. It is almost completely half and half to me. I know just as many... You love it, and a couple of other mates love it. I know just as many people that have gone, yeah, same as you, Rob, it's rubbish. I just think... I don't know anyone that went, meh. I'll give them that. There's almost no one that thinks it's meh. They either love it or hate it, so fair dues. You know, they're on that sort of scene of range thing of at least you care. At least you've got an opinion one way or another. But I think you made an assumption there that quote-unquote smart fans like it. And I don't think they do. I think even the people that you are suggesting are the fans with a capital T and a capital F, I think are very split. Fair point. Fair point. Um, my, I suppose maybe I should more direct it. Uh, sorry, more more directly say that it, there's a certain portion of fans that like this show, like this angle, yeah. that it was aimed at. If you don't like this, nothing. They weren't going to change your mind, were they? On um, on the whole broken universe thing just by one segment so of the fans that do like it i thought it was pretty wise to disassociate the company from it because again that just uh, putting the we stamp on it to a lot of people ruins the whole thing because it's kitsch it's underground but you can't know how can you disassociate yourself from it okay in a couple of weeks time i'm going to stand on stage at the Clapham Grand and it is going to be the Hooked on Wrestling Wrestlemania viewing party and that's what I'm yes. there to do and I'm there to host it I am part of Hooked on Wrestling I on the night and paid by Hooked on Wrestling to present that show I am part of what goes on if I stand on stage and go okay everyone we're not going to show the pre-show now we're going to get a band on they're going to entertain you for half an hour I've listened, <laughs> I've, listened I've listened to them in rehearsals I think they're garbage but anyway give them a, give them a, give them a warm welcome Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome blah blah blah, and on they come. And well, you'd fire me, or at least you'd give me a reprimand for saying. You go, Rob, you can't just say they're shit. You can't all, you can't bring someone on the stage and go they're shit. You, or you, and also you can't say, well, we're about to leave the stage now for half an hour to let this band come on. It's got nothing to do with Hooked on Wrestling. We d- we don't say they're any good. We don't want to book them, but they happen to be here. So we wouldn't do that. It's just that's not what we're about. That's not what the, the group is about. No. And so if WWE puts something on their television program, they can't disassociate themselves from it. Michael Cole can. So maybe he went rogue then. Maybe he, he's not speaking for Vince. Maybe he is speaking for Michael Cole. And maybe no, he's not bollocking off stage. But if I he's speaking he's for Michael speaking. Cole, that's different. But if he's speaking for the company, you can't put something out. It's like a manager fielding a player up front for a football team and going, You're well, right. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have picked him. He's rubbish. It's like, you did pick him. You're the manager. You, you are... I think, I think you are kind of blurring the lines here, mate. I think kayfabe-wise, and that's what's important, kayfabe-wise, Michael Cole was speaking for himself. In reality... It was that anti-stamp, if you will, the 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 non-stamp of approval. But you're right. In kayfabe terms, that'd be ridiculous if any, because that's what you've got to compare it to. What's on screen is is 
in storyline everything that goes on in one way or another in those three hours is in storyline or it should be and in storyline that was Michael Cole speaking for himself okay I'll give you that that's a fair point we that's, know that's a fair we point. know differently that goes back to what I was arguing before so no, I can't disagree with that that's a fair point you've argued that well I, t- I, I will take that much. I still think it's the wrong thing to do but I will accept what you're saying yes you need to look at it if you are accepting it in that world then you need to accept that he is speaking for himself and not for the company no I'll accept that I think it's wrong to have your lead announcer say it it doesn't make any sense that's not that's, it's not good business but okay I'll accept that that it's Michael Cole doing it that's 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 fine um, since we were talking about the fans um, we knew we were recording this podcast so we went to um, to our Facebook page earlier on uh, and we said and I will read out the uh, the post in full uh, Rob and Paul will be doing a bonus edition of the podcast tonight focusing solely on last week's ultimate deletion one of them loved it one of them really really didn't love it and I think we've established who those uh, people are tonight but we asked the people if you had to describe it in one word what would that be best to be read out on the pod well um, quite frankly uh, thank you to everyone for um, uh, joining in first of all that's the main thing um, secondly there's a couple of you that I may or may not um, sound like I'm ripping apart in a minute um, please don't take it personally I am genuinely way more thankful to you for contributing than I am for anyone else for not so please don't take it as a personal slight if I'm disagreeing with you one of your opinions in a minute and I'm sure Paul will say the same thing for the people that think the other way um, but what I will say is that we asked people for one word and, and not a single one of them gave us one word oh, actually that's not true a couple of people put a, uh, a gif up which had one word in it but almost everyone else spoke for about two sentences even though we asked for a one word uh, response but uh, I think most people did go with a uh, at least one word to start with um, I won't read out the uh, the whole of each um, of each response Um but uh, I will start with uh, Chris Groves, who used the word different to start with it. Um, his word is different. He says it felt like a giant in-joke, funny at times. Uh, the gimmick and storylines improve, but it's still not quite hitting the mark. Uh, he thinks that Wyatt is the wrong opponent for Broken Hardy. Uh, the, the hilar- this is a good point, actually. The hilarity of the character, and he means um, Woken Matt, the hilarity of the character is created mostly by Hardy's opponent being weirded out and confused, whereas Bray took it mostly in his stride like the character would. I think that's a good point, actually, Paul. We've not really discussed the fact that Bray was the um, the other person. It felt like a, a natural fit, probably because of the Bray Wyatt, Randy Orton, House of Horrors garbage that came last May or so um, felt like it was a knockoff of the Broken Hardy stuff, so therefore it always felt like Bray would be the the ultimate fit but could they have done that with someone different I will put myself out there and say okay let's assume that the that little universe works on its own is there someone that they mm. could have done that better with uh, on the sp- putting me on the spot Chris makes a good point um, I I think it, w- it would be quite interesting with a straight man in there with him um, as Jeff was in the original in the original de- uh, deletion skits, he was playing the straight man. He he was in there against Matt, basically scratching his head the whole time, going, "What the hell are you doing? What 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 are we doing? What's going on?" Um, and it worked quite well. I think, in my opinion, Bray Wyatt was a good foil because it allowed him to you know, to a to ramp up the hokiness of it all didn't interfere with any of the characters like you say you could pick a few you know 
let's just pick one out of thin air and say you put Titus O'Neil in there for instance literally pl- plucking out of thin air um, not literally actually sorry um, <laughs> Thank you. I would struggle to pick pluck Titus O'Neil out of thin air I think he's a big dude um, <laughs> but the point is you risk ruining as as you are quite right in saying um, you don't want this to flow you don't want these crazy rules to flow into other parts of the company and to to pollute other characters so if you picked a Titus O'Neil or a Rusev or someone like that that stains on them forever with Bray Wyatt he's screwed anyway he's that type of character he's got he's done all the hokiness himself and to me he's dead in the water almost literally in that skit actually that is a that is almost a literal thing um, nicely done here's what I'm going <laughs> to do here I'm going to I'm going to address Chris's um, post and then I'm going to uh, do something very very strange which is praise Paul to the hilt um I think Chris has got a point to a point. I think that actually Bray was kind of brazen and just ignored it for a bit. But I think he did start to sell it. I think part of the whole skit was Matt sort of took Bray on in his own sort of world and beat him. And by the end of it, Bray was looking around as if to say, what's going on? Why can't I beat this guy? I actually thought Wyatt did sell it quite well. Um, If we're accepting that the whole universe works. And he had to lose... Um, because as, as I understand it, you know, if I'm, I'm going back to the, you mentioned that the, the Jeff Hardy, uh, you know, initial one in the final deletion in TNA was to get Jeff from being Jeff Hardy to brother Nero, correct? Yep. So. Uh, correct. Yeah, I guess. So, my assumption is here that as Bray Wyatt went into the lake of reincarnation, that he is going to come back at some point as a different character. Now, whether that is Woken Bray or Woken Wyatt or whether it's, you know, you know Ted Harris from Sacramento, I don't know who it's going to be. I said Harris then by accident. I was, honestly wasn't thinking of Pascal, but <laughs> just, like, just any old surname. Ted Johnson from, you know, Sacramento. Um, it could be anyone. Um, but the point is, is that that character has to be changed. They weren't taking... Unless they decided we're going to cha- fundamentally change Titus O'Neil's character, he wouldn't be the right person for it. The right person for it is the person that they want to change. And Paul Benson, at least six months ago on this podcast, maybe more, and very, in fact very consistently on this podcast, whenever we have discussed Bray Wyatt, Paul has said, Bray Wyatt needs to go away. And, I, and, mm-hmm. and you have said, maybe for a little bit and then just to freshen him up, but re- relatively speaking, you have said, the Bray Wyatt character is finished. It should go away forever. And if the yep. man who in real life is called Wyndham Rotundo comes back he should come back either as Husky Harris or a brand new character or something but you said you wanted basically to kill off Bray Wyatt didn't you and that is basically what they've done I think they're going to bring him back as a version of and at some point maybe in the future they'll go back to the Bray Wyatt gimmick again but I think you're going to get after Wrestlemania or maybe beforehand but I think after Wrestlemania I think you're going to get a brand new character and whether it's called Bray Wyatt or whether it's called Woken Wyatt or whatever it's going to be and how much it's going to be associated with Matt Hardy they might not even associate him with Matt Hardy they might just bring him back as a new character in three months time yeah I and think they, so and they, I think they might say I'll do a one liner and say um, oh this is the guy that used to be Bray Wyatt but Matt Hardy put him in the lake and then that'll be it I think this is a reset a bit like JBL who I think so yeah they recognised was the former Bradshaw, Justin Hawk Bradshaw, acolyte Bradshaw, 
because they left the B in for John Bradshaw Layfield, but they essentially said, oh, he used to be Bradshaw and now he's John Layfield, and now you've got to think of him as John Layfield. And in one of the worst moments, that my, we've talked about my, bad Michael Cole moments tonight, one of the worst Michael Cole moments for me was during the Raw Rumble when Layfield entered the Rumble and Michael Cole said, this is the first time the JBL character has oh, ever been in the Royal me. Rumble. I was like, oh dear. I really, really despise that moment. And again, I'm sure Michael was told to say, by the way, I, I, as much as we give him stick from time to time, I really, really like Michael Cole. That when he's in the right mode, I think he's an excellent commentator and I've met the guy in real life and he's a smashing fella. So I'm more than happy to admit that I like Michael Cole, but just every now and again he needs a bit of a kicking and it's, and it's generally not his fault. Um, any any uh, final words on that sort of strand of things before I take some more of the uh, the comments from the Facebook? Yeah, no, I, I agree on all counts. I think he is coming back as something quite different, and it'd be fun to imagine what that might be. Because my problem's never been with the performer; it's always been with the character and the way it's written. Going from that sort of Cape Fear, sort of swamp preacher character to Super Duca, you know, Papa Shango in in Hawaiian shirts and braids ridiculous uh, and he's been he's been booked so so terribly for so so long that it's got to the point as I've said previously where he is killing other characters just by association with them um, I'd like to see him come back as some sort of fiery baby face you know you wouldn't maybe you maybe not even away with the look that drastically but have him come back as something completely different in terms of character and have him sort of uh, the 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 characterisation that's coming to my mind, although I'm I'm cringing even just saying it, is but, but kind of a Dusty Rhodes um, from his pre WWF days when he was a bit of a bit of a man of the people. You know, he looked like one of us. He wasn't in super great shape, but he was tough and he would fight. And I think you could do something like that with Bray Wyatt. I think he's got a lot of skill um, as a performer, and this this hard reset allows you to do whatever you want great example with JBL it was the same thing um, I'd like I'd, I'd like I'm interested to see what they do with it as long as it's not Hocus Pocus Bray Wyatt anymore uh, what if they brought him back because his brother had made him Bo leave there's no there's a no well um, he's not he's, he's not Bo leave Bo Dallas anymore is he that's, no, that's done and dusted I know but you never know um, okay, Jimmy Murphy uh, says the same word as Chris. Actually, it's a uh, he says different in one word, different, but he also uh, expands on his idea. It was nothing like I'd ever thought I'd see on WWE TV. Tongue in cheek from the creative. Uh, I for one enjoyed it purely because of how bonkers it was. Vanguard was exceptional. What's Vanguard? Vanguard is previously known as Vanguard One. It's his drone. Oh, the drone. That's right. Yeah, uh, Vanguard was exceptional. I laughed, I cringed, I questioned why I watched the product and defended why I watched the product all in one segment. It was one of the best slash worst things I've ever seen on TV. That sort of falls into that category, doesn't it, that we talked about how you're not going to have a, a nuh opinion on it. You're going to love it or hate it. And it seems that uh, that Jimmy there did both. Um, I liked his response. He was that Jimmy's was my favourite response. Um, I thought it really encapsulated what most people's feelings are, actually. And it, we all, look we all understand that objectively it was shit it was ridiculous but and it and, and, and you know you'd be embarrassed to show it to some people in a lot of ways but at the same time we quite we loved it a little bit as well so I thought that was a brilliant response not uh, a one word though Jimmy no 
Daniel Hurley um, admits that he's not doing one word. He says in six words, Paul is right, Rob is wrong. I'll accept that. Okay, I'm going to say in seven words, Daniel, I like you, but sod off. Um, <laughs> Daniel, <laughs> Daniel Sammy, now he's a good lad, Daniel. Um, Daniel Sammy uh, says wonderful, and he caps it up. Um, he says that 24 hours is why everyone should be a wrestling fan. Emo. Oh no, sorry, IMO. Um, from the utter insanity of Broken Matt and his mower of lawns to the euphoria of the greatest technical wrestler of this era coming back to the ring, obviously we're referencing to uh, Daniel Bryan. Uh, wrestling is a broad and wonderful spectrum, and there is a place for it all, says Daniel Same. Matt Bourne, not that one, says rebirth is his one word, and he also expands. Rebirth for Hardy which may finally see him hit the upper echelon of the Raw roster now, as the crowds, like Braun, decide who their favourite is. That's that's pushing it a bit. Rebirth to come for Bray, whose character was so stale and degenerated that it was worthless, and I think we agree with that. Uh, Tess Dowling says, Kooky, and again goes to the, uh, the capitalisation, I loved it, she says, and I laughed my ass off. People have been complaining about how predictable, stale and samey things are at the moment. This was outside the box of what I love most about WWE. I'm going to let you respond to that one first. Um, well, yeah, it's... I haven't really got a response to that one. Okay, oh, well, I, I have. Go on. Being unpredictable doesn't make something good. I hate this. Sorry, Tess, this is not absolutely nothing personal. You're not to blame for this. It's a very, very... You've, it's, it's the old straw that breaks the camel's back here because this has been annoying me for many, many years that people have said this. They complain when WWE doesn't make sense and when it makes sense, they say it's predictable. It's like you can't have it both ways. Roman Reigns is going to win the world title at WrestleMania. I'm sorry to use Reigns again. Completely forget about whether you like Reigns, don't like Reigns, whether Brock's leaving, whatever. Clearly, their storyline for the best part of three years has been Reigns trying to get the better of Lesnar. Lesnar keeps hold of the belt. Reigns is trying to get himself back to the top again. And for the last year, since he beat The Undertaker, he's proven over and over again that he's the best. Lesnar is hanging on to the title. And eventually, Roman Reigns is going to win the title on the biggest stages of all. Well, that is the storyline. That is totally and utterly predictable. But it's the right one. It's the right story. And if you watch it, almost any... Um, what was the last um, Bond film? Spectre? Yep. Was it good? Did you like Spectre? Pretty good. Yeah? What was the one before? So what's your favourite Bond film? Favourite Bond film is Casino Royale. Casino uh, Royale. No, Skyfall. Skyfall. Skyfall, okay. What, what happened in Skyfall? Did Bond win? Of course. Well, right, predictable, yeah? But did Completely. You, did you enjoy the film? Indeed. Would it have been better if James Bond had stopped while chasing the bad guy and actually stopped and done the, uh, the aria from Madam Butterfly? Would that have been better? Would have been. No, yeah. it'd, it'd have been no, wouldn't it? It'd have been, sh- it'd have been <laughs> no, shit, course. and it would have been unpredictable. So surely it would have been good because it's unpredictable. No, unpredictable doesn't mean good. Unpredictable means weird sometimes and good sometimes. If it's if you do a story that no one saw coming, but then you go, wow, what a great story. Oh yeah, I never thought of that. That's okay. Unpredictable can be good, but it doesn't necessarily mean that predictable is bad. It's not the same thing. It's not two legs good, four legs bad. It doesn't work well, whichever way it is. It doesn't work that way. And that's my... I, I have an irritation with people that say that. Again, I'm not having a go at you, Tess. I really, really appreciate you joining in with the conversation and you put it really well. I'm not saying you, you have to have to share the same opinion as me. But I'm just saying that saying that something is unpredictable, ergo it is good, I don't think is a cogent argument, in my opinion. 
I think you're right, Rob. And I think if unpredictability was the key driver of great storylines, then Vince Russo would still be the best booker in the world. And we all know how that turned out. <laughs> yes, indeed. Oh, God, I, lo- true, I tell you true. what, if you ever, ever are sitting there, I, I don't like anyone saying that they're bored. I'm bored, they say. Well, you shouldn't be. If you've got the internet, you're never bored. Every single classic novel that's ever been written, every wonderful piece of classical music that's ever been composed, every te- every good television show that's ever been made are all available for you to find. Okay, sometimes at a price, but they are out there. You should never be bored. You can always find something to occupy yourself. I'm bored. Read the poetry of Keats. I'm bored. Go and get Netflix and watch some great films. You'll never be bored. But if you are bored one day and you really, really, really feel like you're struggling... Get Twitter and put in the word Vince Russo and just find the people that want to argue about Vince Russo. It is a joy. Vince Russo's followers are maybe more entertaining than Nigel Farage's. They just, they defend the guy so to the hilt, it's unbelievable. Listen, Vince Russo did some bloody great stuff. He also did a hell of a lot of absolute hot garbage. And Paul had a right go at him on the last podcast he was on and I had to rein him back a wee bit, but... He's done some bloody terrible stuff as Vince Russo, but wait till you see the people that have to defend him, and because he was responsible for a very good year in wrestling history, therefore he's the greatest thing of all time, and that Meltzer doesn't understand, and Lance Storm doesn't understand, and various other people, and Jimmy Corderas doesn't understand, and all these other people that have got experience in the wrestling world that say Vince Russo's a bit of a tit that had a good couple of years, apparently they're wrong, but it's, it's great fun to, uh, to go and see. Anyway, um, let's go on to the next one. Uh, Leanne Culverhouse says bonkers for her one word and then for a little bit of re-emphasis says just bonkers maybe I just don't get it or maybe because I'm conditioned now to see that as out of place on Raw but I'm firmly in Rob's camp I didn't enjoy it so even though we didn't uh, reveal who it was that uh, liked and disliked uh, Leanne knows her boys well enough that uh, she would know which way round we are (laughs) Uh, Thomas Martin and Kyle Thornton have gone with the same sort of thing both of them have gone with a uh, a lovely little moving gif on the uh, Facebook comments, one of which says, wonderful, and the other one says, yes, with lots of S's, and I'm not going to do it in the Matt Hardy voice because I can't do it. Um, here's a couple of people that have actually used the one word. Thank you to those. Uh, starting with uh, Graham Lodge, he says, I'll come back to that one. I'll say George McMenemy first because he says delightful, which I think is a play on how Matt says delightful. Um, but Graham Lodge says diluted. That's all he says. Paul, I'd like you to discuss Graham Lodge's answer with a one word, diluted. I think it's a... I think it's slightly unfair. I think he might have gone in there with the assumption that that would happen. What he means is obviously that they've taken TNA's concept and and WWE find it. Um, Similar to how they did where they blatantly copied the whole broken thing when they had that New Day against Wyatt family brawl in the... uh, in, on the Wyatt family compound that was broken universe diluted I don't think there was anything diluted about this essentially I'm, I'm quite sure they used the same creative team i.e. Matt Hardy and Jeremy Borash I think they gave him free reign it might not have been as good and it certainly wasn't as original good being your opinion I, I agree I don't think it was as good as the ones in TNA but I think diluted is unfair it had all the elements that you'd expect about the only thing that I clocked that wasn't there is them shooting fireworks at each other and if you thought that was going to be on WWE TV then you probably need your bumps felt Um, but yeah I I think he's decided that prior to watching this because whatever your thoughts on the quality I don't think it's fair to say it was diluted can we say that on the podcast can we say you have your bumps felt you know 
Hashtag, hashtag time's up. But, um... <laughs> what? <laughs> now I know. I'm, I, was I'm, glad, I, thought I, I thought I'd got that phrase all wrong for a second. I thought, what have I been thinking no, all no, these my, years? My point is, is you, you just said an, a bit of an old man phrase, is what you said. <laughs> right. Lots of people listening that go, what, God, is that his bumps felt? What does that mean? And what it means in Paul's language there is, you need your head, your, your head read, basically, don't you? You need your bumps That's felt. That's it, exactly. You, you, need your, you need your head examined. Not as in, uh, you need other bumpy parts of your anatomy uh, felt. Um, I think the diluted comment Yes, I think similar to what you're saying, uh, diluted as in not quite uh, as full on as the TNA thing was, and that's there's a there's a good and a bad about that. Um, I would say that if anything, it wasn't the fact that it was diluted; it was the fact that it was rushed, perhaps. And I felt that they expected everybody to understand what had gone before. Okay, if I'm not going to do my the fans route again. But if all of the fans enjoyed this in TNA, well, they were either watching it illegally or they were watching it outside of the US. Because when the Hardys were doing their deletion stuff on TNA on, uh, what was their last network? Um, Pop. No, that's what they're on now. That's what they're on now. It was USA. No, Destination America or something Destination America. What were they? What were they getting? What was their viewing figures? About a couple of hundred thousand in right? that ballpark. So that's nothing. These these days we're worrying when Raw are down to what three million or something like that, and it's like so. There's still a an unbelievable amount more people that watch WWE both domestically in the states and around the world than have ever watched TNA. Despite what TNA will tell you from from time to time, um, you know WWE has always been streets ahead. And in particular, last year, one of the worst years that TNA have ever had in trying to get things together, or two years ago, I suppose. The last couple of years have been really trying for them. And by the way, I'm happy to see them trying to get back on their feet with new management and push it forward. It's a story for another day. But very, 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 very few people, unless they were illegally doing stuff, um, would have watched the uh, Broken Hardy stuff on TNA as compared to the Raw audience. So therefore, you have to assume that most people on Raw haven't seen the Hardy stuff before and therefore I've just done an example of it by asking you what the Vanguard was and once you said it I remembered that it was the drone thing but it, it's not like um okay quick sidebar um Paul pushed me for a very very long time to uh, to get into Game of Thrones which I eventually have done and I'm about four or five series in and I'm enjoying it um but the thing I struggled most with Game of Thrones and I still struggle to an extent is I don't remember the character names very well. No, I agree on that. There's, there's an awful lot of characters, and they're not called, you know, Dave, Bill, and Ted, are they? They've got, you know, these sort of Tolkien-like, you know, extravagant names, and I struggle with them. I can't always remember who's who. Some of them are a bit similar. You've got a Bron and a Bran and all that kind of thing. And I struggle to remember what they're all called. Um, And I've watched that. I mean, how many episodes are there per series? About 12 or 13, and I'm sort of four and a bit in. So I've probably, watched, I've probably watched 40, 50 episodes of Game of Thrones. There's only been two or three of the final deletion uh, and, and that kind of stuff. So I don't always know what Vanguard is and what Senor Benjamin is and what... What's the giraffe called? Is it called George Washington? Yes, I think is, so. What's it meant to be? Is it meant to be a giraffe called George Washington? Or does he think it actually is George Washington? I think he thinks it actually is George Washington. Right, see, but I don't know. I'm being, I'm being, 
I'm being deliberately thick. That is what he thinks. He thinks it's a. Yeah. He thinks that George Washington has been reincarnated inside a giraffe, right? That's the yes. gimmick there. But I don't know that because the only time I've seen George Washington the giraffe was for about a 30-second clip that went out as a teaser before an advertisement break on Monday night. That's all that's been introduced. That's true, though, isn't it? No. Uh, sorry, mate. I'm not cracking up at that point. I'm just cracking up at the fact we're even having this conversation know, about a giraffe called George Washington. Well, that, oh, okay. Well, that is part, part of the reason why I think it's a load of old bollocks anyway. But I'm, <laughs> I've tried to move past that and actually get into the nuts and bolts of it now. But you want us to understand... I'm talking to, to Matt and to JB, I guess, now. You want us to understand who all the characters in your world are. Well, you've got to introduce us to them. What is the lake of flipping reincarnation? What is the dome of deletion? Why have you got a drone? Why is there a a Mexican gardener? Why is there a giraffe? Why is there a dilapidated boat? What's... I need to know all these things. They didn't tell me any of those things. They didn't tell me what's important about any of them. Partly because they don't know why, but partly because WWE aren't going to let them film three or four weeks of build-up, are they? Quite frankly. Great, but, great point. Um, but there is a reason why. My, sorry, let me just let, let me just get this sorry, out and I'll, 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 I'll um, hand over. There is a reason why certain wrestlers do certain things which you may find boring, but it gets to a point. I'm thinking, for example, the Master Lock Challenge, which for was really really boring. Seeing Chris Masters do the same thing over and over again, put someone unsuspecting in the uh, in the move. Well, like I've temporarily, which I've temporarily forgotten what it's called, the full Nelson. Um, and people would put it and he called it the master lock you know and then he would not let them go and then people would boo and then uh, there's a reason why you do that because you develop it as a heel move and then at some point someone breaks out of it or someone attacks him for doing something and then you've got your storyline there's a reason why you used to have squash matches to get people's finishes over to get people's moves over and then you go from there there's a reason why you have them do interviews to get catchphrases over so you can go from there you have to build from the ground up you cannot just chuck all this shit at us on a 17 minute segment to finish on Raw because halfway through I'm going well what's the boat for well what's he talking about giraffe for and you're lost in it and it's like you've got to do a proper bit of a build. So when they say, I'm going to go all the way back and say, when you say diluted, I don't think diluted was actually the right phrase. I think actually concentrated. Because you you did the opposite of dilution. You actually concentrated it all into one segment. And it probably needed time to breathe so you could get time to get used to, you know, who's that woman on the, on the piano, by the way? Who was the woman playing the piano? That's Reby Sky. That's Matt's wife. Well, I know that. But who's are the audience supposed to know who that is? No one told us. True, true. Do you know what I mean? It's just some woman playing the piano. What's she doing there? I, I'm, again, I feel like I'm being horrible now, so I'm going to stop. But um... I think you're, I think you're right and you're wrong in in the same breath almost. I think um, Am you're I right. Cold in, the, and in and out. The, sorry, right. <laughs> you're right in that there wasn't enough time devoted to building it up. But also, if you remember back to TNA, we were just presented that fake complete anyway. You know, you weren't told who Senor Benjamin was. You weren't told why Matt had a drone following him around. You weren't told anything, really. But again, um, just because something has happened in the past doesn't make it. No, right. I agree. That's what I mean. That's why I'm not. I'm not completely shutting you down. I'm not trying to argue with you completely. I'm just saying that when it worked and it did, and, and let's let's assume for the sake of this argument that it worked. Um, I know you don't necessarily agree, but it got Matt back in WWE, so obviously doing something right. Um, that's how they did it that time and yes they give it more room to breathe but they the beauty of it is like for instance um again i can't even believe we're having this conversation mate um especially being broadcast to a couple of dozen people um but the uh 
the dilapidated boat. That was just a prop. It was just there one day. And Matt said, oh, look, a dilapidated boat. And boom, suddenly it's a new character. It's part of the broken universe because people picked up on it organically. And I think that's maybe more where you're going is that people weren't given the opportunity to pick up on it organically. It wasn't given it wasn't given the time to develop a new following. It was kind of just presented to you as a done deal. So it probably only did have appeal to those people who were already familiar. Like, like I say, I loved it, as we know. But would I have loved it if I'd have gone in blind to watching all this for the first time in WWE? Almost certainly not. So okay, well, I okay. agree with you. I'm pleased you've come around to that because that's a major part of it. I am assuming that this has never happened before. I know it has. We have a certain amount of knowledge that it has. But most of the audience, and I stand by this, most of the audience didn't know what the hell that was on Monday. A lot of them did. Most of them didn't. And I want to point out that this is not done with super over characters either because Matt Hardy and Bray Wyatt had a match to complete silence a month ago because no one was buying into their characters and stuff and people weren't getting the Woken stuff people know to go delete, 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 delete with their arm but the Matt Hardy character was getting the, the, that response and then wrestling matches in front of crickets you know, the character was not over okay, this might change things and if it does I will have to admit that it's changed something but that character wasn't working because everyone was going, well, basically he's talking funny and he's got a white streak in his hair. What's the gimmick? Because, at least in, uh, to be fair to TNA, they told that story over a very, very long time. The fact that Matt was losing and getting frustrated and trying to be a good baby face, but he was getting stitched up by the company and he felt his other people were getting preferential treatment. And that went on for ages, didn't it? They did a long period of time. So then he sort of started going a bit weird and then it was the whole that he was broken and basically the story was he was having a mental breakdown and so but they told that story over a long long period of time I can't believe in all of this what I'm doing is saying well done to TNA for having patience for their booking but actually what I probably should be saying is that well done to Matt and to JB for having the, the foresight about it but I, I think that's been a, a large part of the problem is that you can't just expect people to care from day one there was a program oh crikey I can't remember the name of it um um, Stephen Tompkinson was in it playing a uh, a police officer. I can't remember the name of it. It's an ITV show. It was on a few years ago. It's a good show. Cop drama. And mm-hmm. in in like the second episode, like I think it was his girlfriend or it was a, a, a you know a, a supposedly important part of the the unit was in major peril and we had to be really worried about whether she'd get saved and blah blah blah. And it was like it's Ep two. You've not built up a enough of a, a, a respect for the character, enough of a rapport with the character, when you're several series into something, you can put them in that kind of danger, I'm going really really deep into, into things here, but I used to like a show called Waking the Dead and there was a character that Sue Johnson played in there called Grace, well she got put into a really dangerous situation like five series in, and you kind of went oh god I hope she's okay, because you'd watched five series worth of it and got to love that character, you can't do it on the second ep because you just go... Oh. Are they a regular character? If they're going to be... Because di- in the first couple of episodes of a show, people of a cop drama, people die anyway, because that's what happens in those kind of shows. So are they just a transient character? Are they the ensign that beams down to the planet with Captain Kirk and gets shot? Because um, there's always one, isn't there, in Star Trek, who ends up getting knocked off. But, but you, oh, know that, you know that Bones and Spock are going to be okay. So early on in the show, you don't know who those those people are. And that brings me back to it was that I didn't I just didn't think that they gave enough thought to 
let's try and build this universe. They could have done... This is not important for WrestleMania, from what I can see. I don't think that WrestleMania is crammed enough as it is. I don't see that they're going to be able to work any sort of Bray Wyatt, Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy thing into WrestleMania. So they could have done this after WrestleMania. Why not spend the first five, six weeks after WrestleMania doing Matt Hardy gimmicks? Doing Matt Hardy... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Pre-tapes. What's, you, know, you know what I'm saying, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Vin- vignettes. Vignettes is the word. Do Matt Hardy vignettes. Have him talking to the bloody giraffe and have him saying, hello everyone, this is my wife, this is my son Maxwell, this is my lake, this is my boat, and make something entertaining with it. Because to be fair, Matt Hardy, he's quite an entertaining guy and, he, and he's, he's all in with his character. I think you could have done some relatively fun you know, gimmicks. And if you remember right back to the very, very, very start of the Wyatt family, you did go to the Wyatt compound or whatever it was called at the time and you went through this really creepy house, as I remember, and you found the yep. Wyatts in there, and there was someone in a sort of side room yelling at someone, Obey! Obey! And it was... I thought it was really dark and really spooky, but really cool, and, like, a brilliant way of introducing this little um, cult, as it, as it essentially was done from the start. Sure. I thought they did a lovely, a lovely job of introducing the Wyatt family when they first did it. And how... Do you remember all of those vignettes all cut together with him on his rocking chair and stuff, and... That was is used as the little, um, the little sounder even to even to this day, and it's like that comes from the very start and how they were introduced. Okay, Paul's right that eventually they've missed the boat, <laughs> they missed the dilapidated boat, but they've they've missed the boat on him and they've done the wrong thing and in the end, it's kind of died on its ass. But that's the booking, not the characterisation. So anyway, again, I, I feel like we're um, going down the same road. Um, we've only got one comment left to. Uh, to highlight, and it's from your uh, your namesake Tony Benson. Um, Hello, Tony. And I'm gonna I'm gonna use the word effing here. I mean, you're gonna know you know know what I mean. Um, it was insane, effing mad, but in a good way. The build-up was excellent, and the way they executed the match itself was pure tongue-in-cheek, brilliant. Which I assume is his one word that we asked for at the end. So, Tony, your uh, namesake has the final say, uh, and he says brilliant. So he's broadly speaking on your side. Um, so to put a bow on all of this um, I don't think either of us are going to shift from our position but uh, what I will say is where do we go from here is it down to the lake I fear but uh, where do we go from here though Paul what's, the, what's their next step how do, they, uh, how do they get out of this is this done forever when Matt Hardy comes back with Jeff Hardy as a team maybe tonight on Raw as we're recording this on Monday um, are they going to just be back to the Hardys and that whole episode was forgotten are they going to uh, be a woken family with Matt and Jeff and Rebby and Maxwell and Bray Wyatt and the Bludgeon Brothers and we all live happily ever after on the weird compound? <laughs> Where are they going to go? Well, I um, I think there needs to be some middle ground. I hope we don't see another broken Hardy compound skit for a long, 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 long time, if ever. As much as I like it, and I really do, this is not something I need to go to the well with because it will get very, very old very, very quickly. We've essentially seen it all now. What more What more do we need? Um, you know, in TNA, they went a bit crazy and that, that, they had that fun tag team brawl which had its moments of... Well, they had that tag team invitational where they had some great moments in, but they also had some ridiculous moments in as well. Um, I would like to see... I'd like to see Jeff come back as Brother Nero um, and I'd like to see them be, you know, the woken characters. 
but keep that within the confines of traditional wrestling storyline have them be weird and wacky and out there but keep that on the rails um that's what i want to see mate i think we can agree there's a good probably a good way to um to round this off this special bonus awoken podcast um i agree with you i think there is scope to those characters but i think those characters need to stay within the the wwe universe and i mean that as the uh, the the program's rules as opposed to the, uh, the the use of the word for the fans as they usually use it um just a quickie was the jeff hardy cameo that we saw during that was that brother nero or was that willow that was brother nero Okay. Willow Willow is a very distinct looking character. He's got the the black suit on with the black and white face paint and the umbrella. That was Brother Nero. Okay, I, I thought as much, but I wasn't because I remember Willow was in part of one of those skits before. Yes, he Jeff was. Jeff went yeah. into the lake and came out as Willow, so I wasn't absolutely certain if it was meant to be him. I thought it was meant to be Brother Nero, um, yep. but again, that's not explained. <laughs> Most of the time, no. we going, "Why was Jeff Hardy dressed like that? That's not what Jeff Hardy looks like." Um, not explained. But again, stop banging the same drum, but Nickel. <laughs> um, what we've done here, Paul, is we've recorded a, uh, a sort of an ad-free podcast, as it were. We've not really talked about yes, all we of have. our WrestleMania um, escapades, and we're still not going to. We're not going to go into uh, to mega mega depth. But um, since we ought to uh, round this off, we are inside two weeks as we speak. Paul and I recorded this on uh, on Monday, March the 26th. So we're inside two weeks before WrestleMania, and we are going to be at 25. Venues. I think I said 23 on last week's podcast, and I'm not sure whether I miscounted or Paul's added two since. Quite frankly, I can't keep up. But all 25 <laughs> uh, are now booked in. I believe you can buy tickets for all of them. All of them have got hosts. All of them have got organisers. They're all going to be announced uh, in due course. If you are not following us on social media, particularly on our Facebook, as I mentioned previously, um, facebook.com forward slash HO Wrestling, uh, we are gradually announcing all of our hosts uh, as we go along there uh, and also some other great stuff we're um, we're really busy on Facebook these days there's plenty of content going up indeed while we've been recording this uh, there's been uh, uh, and to- a topic about Shane McMahon WWE reporting that Shane is hospitalised and now there's a suggestion that there might be another surprise partner um, angle going towards Wrestlemania although I can, to be fair I can still see Shane being Super Shane and coming back on Smackdown tomorrow um, <laughs> but um so yes, there's always some um, stuff to be going on with on our Facebook page, plenty of discussion, and we're also on Twitter as well. And this is where I fall down because I forget what the uh, the slight delineation is. So what's the Twitter address? Twitter is ho underscore wrestling. It's the underscore. I'm never quite sure on the underscore, but ho underscore wrestling for us on Twitter. But yes, anyway, WrestleMania is around the corner. 25 different venues where you can join in a hooked on wrestling party, um, and Paul is going to tell you where you can buy tickets for those. I am indeed. You can buy tickets from one of two places. You can go to ringsideworld.co.uk or you can go to hookedonevents.co.uk forward slash store. Excellent stuff. Those venues, um, sorry, those addresses is where you can buy tickets, but you can also find out many, many more uh, pieces of info uh, about our shows. And we will, for this occasion, let that speak for itself and not bombard your ears uh, with the um, the salesmanship but uh, we might a little bit later in the week because we'll record another pod this is not our podcast for the week we will be back again later in the week um, doing a proper recording uh, and bringing this into uh, uh, the last 10 days or so before Wrestlemania so that'll be like a more regulation podcast this is a little bonus aside um, but where another place you can find out some more hooked on good stuff 
um, is on the Suns Wrestling section. Uh, so if you go to the Suns website and go to the uh, the WWE stuff, uh, we are doing a daily um, update for you all the way from now until WrestleMania uh, with our predictions on various matches, are we not, Paul? We are indeed. All 14 announced or expected matches we're covering will be a bit... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? My mind. We, we will be... Uh, moving around things as and when they change like the Shane McMahon situation a few people are going to have to do some rewrites there yes. but essentially every day uh, we started on Monday today as we record this with our predictions for the Cruiserweight title tournament tomorrow we'll be looking at the US title match um, and so on and so forth all the way through to Wrestlemania itself so by the time you listen to this there should be at least a couple of those uh, prediction pages up it's not just me and Paul um, there are what seven or eight of us Paul all told Six of us actually. Six, of six, six in the end. So you've got six. So there's six different voices. Yeah. So it's me and Paul, uh, and uh, a few others, uh, part of the Hooked On team from uh, various uh, facets. So some of them are uh, behind the scenes uh, helpers. Some of them are hosts at some of our venues. Um, but they have uh, joined in with some of their uh, opinions, and we love you to join the debate. So please go ahead and uh, look at um, our selections. Um, we'll be sharing them on social media as well. Please do come back with what you think. Um, we would love to hear some of that and again uh, we might get into some of that later on in the week when we do the podcast and we might look at some of your predictions uh, as we get closer and closer to the big event itself this has been a different kind of episode Paul I don't, I don't think this really feels within the uh, the normal hooked on universe oh wait <laughs> this is at the uh, the hooked on compound right the hooked on compound yes the uh, the HOC as it were well this has been a very ad hoc show so that kind of fits in there rather nicely so um, I'm going to say from um, from um, the broken down Paul Benson and from the breaking up Rob McNichol uh, this has been a joy to uh, discuss this uh, thorny topic but uh, thank you very much for listening don't forget we'll be back in the week uh, later in the week with our kind of proper podcast as it were but for now thanks for listening to this little bonus show and just remember as we always tell you here at Hooked on Wrestling it's wrestling, so enjoy it. We'll see you very soon.